running for the touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. Always exciting to play at home. We all want to play at home, and this is an unbelievable venue to play at. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. On a personal level for me, I, I just we, we can't wait to get to game day, right? We can't wait to get on the grass. JT The Brick. Cars up underneath James. Going to fire quickly. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. The aftermath we do this Monday. After a loss, after a win, it's a celebration. After a loss, it is the aftermath. Brought to you by Wahoo's Fish Taco, Las Vegas. All of their six locations throughout the Valley. Great place on Sunday to get great food. Watch football. Drop in and catch all the games. They have the Sunday NFL ticket, and it's a popular place for all of their food. Their soups are amazing. I get their meat burritos. I like the carne asada, the chicken burritos. Fantastic. The service is incredible. I get it to go. My sons love it. We are there all the time. They're a great new location, the second deck on Eastern. If you want to go there, have some cocktails, see some live entertainment. Uh, go on out to Wahoo's Fish Taco. Tell them JT sent you. All right, what do you want to do? Second hour of the show, we got Harry Ruiz coming up. I know what I want to do. I want to put this loss, this ugly loss, in the can and move on to Cleveland. But we got a day or two to figure out what the hell happened in that game. And that was arguably the worst loss that I've been a part of in 23 years on every level. When you talk about what needed to happen and the way they didn't show up and the way they got blown out. It's the worst loss in the history of the rivalry. That makes it one of the worst rate of losses of all time. How could you not say that? It's pretty simple. It's the biggest margin of defeat in the history of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Raiders. So that's got to make it all time one of the top ten losses in Raiders history regular season. They just got boat raced. And that can't happen. You got coaches. You got executives. You got people in the team that are sitting back going, what's going on now? I mean, let's go and win a game. We're asking to win a game. Now, if you don't think you can beat Kansas City and they play poorly against Kansas City, and again, I didn't have a lot of confidence in that game, if any, that they were going to win. And I thought the two toughest games this year were going to be at Dallas and at Kansas City. They beat Dallas. They lost at Kansas City. But the way they lost at Kansas City with so much on the line shows that there's big problems happening now, huge problems. And a lot of that has to do with execution, coaching and the players reacting to the coaches. So the players, for whatever reason, are not playing now at a level that's acceptable. It's non-competitive. And, you know, you lose to the Bengals 17-15 to or Washington football team 17-15. All right, it's a bad loss. It's a gut punch. I mean, the two losses at Allegiant Stadium recently, Cincinnati and Washington, come on. Win those games and you could have lost to Kansas City, as Chris from West Oakland called in and said. You know, if you win those games and you win the Giant game, you can lose to Kansas City and still find a way to make the playoffs. You can't lose to all those other teams and then get hammered by Kansas City and start talking playoffs. The only chance the Raiders have to save the season is Cleveland because at least they should be able to compete against Cleveland, a team they beat last year, a team that's got equal amount of injuries as them, but they are playing much better and they are fighting for their playoff lives. Before I bring in Harry Ruiz... Let me just say that again. Why is Cleveland fighting for their playoff lives 
and the Raiders not fighting for their playoff lives. They got identical records coming into yesterday. One's playing their ass off. One's playing their ass off, and the other team's just sitting around getting, getting hammered. They're the same record, the same team. And Cleveland came into that game against Baltimore. They knocked out Lamar Jackson out of the game, knocked him out of the game with an ankle injury, found a way to win. They're celebrating. They're interviewing Miles Garrett on the sideline. They're like, what's next? And he's like, one game at a time. They are looking to destroy Las Vegas. They want to just humiliate the Raiders this week on Saturday. It's a national game. There's only two games on. If that can't get the team going, Harry Ruiz, the Spanish voice of the Raiders, I don't know what can Good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, Cleveland, they look confident. They look like they're hungry. And unfortunately, I'm not seeing that from the Raiders. And I want to see that. I want to see the Raider Nation be happy, not frustrated. But we're not seeing it from the team right now. I don't know what's missing from this squad. I understand that yesterday... Once you're behind the eight ball after the first snap of the game with the fumble that's returned for a touchdown, you're in a very tough situation. But even after punting the ball, what happened with the defense? They got a three and out. They got Kansas out of the field immediately. But the offense wasn't able to move move the ball. It seems like when they don't have Darren Waller, they don't have a solution for anything. Yeah, that's a great point. What do you think on your show? How'd you carry the logo meeting and what happened before the game on the logo and for the Raiders to do that after they got hammered in Vegas. Mahomes had five touchdowns, no interceptions. Why wasn't that meeting in the end zone or just not available at all? Why are we discussing that today? So they always have that huddle. We're there pregame yeah. and we're watching it, but they have that huddle on their side of the field. They don't do it in the middle of the field. Why didn't they do it when Kansas was still on the field while yeah. the Chiefs were still there? If they had done it there, I was like, damn, that's ballsy. But they did it until they waited till they left. That's why it didn't it didn't hit home with me. I'm like, they got to focus on their side of things. If you want to take a lap around the stadium after the game, go for it. Doing something pregame, I'm not into that. And I was put, setting an example. I don't know if you watch much college basketball in Mountain West and yeah. uh, New Mexico. They lost at home a week ago against New Mexico State. And the Aggie players, they went and stomped on the on the Lobo logo. I was like, I'm not into that. It's college. It's very it's, high school. It's very yeah. high school, not even college. High school to do that. I was, I was, and I didn't see it because I was on the pregame show, so I didn't see it. And then when the game started to evolve, and I looked on Twitter and I saw it, and then the game was getting so out of control, I just couldn't believe it happened. Yeah, and when the Chiefs players say that they didn't know much about it. Mm. I'm calling you know what on that. I'm pretty sure someone went and told them it's like, hey, they just did that. They were yeah. like, all right, let's stomp them now. Yeah, Harry Ruiz joins us, and I think also I'm a big Yannick guy. You know, Yannick's a big core cornerstone guy here. He just made a mistake. He's got to take the heat this week and own it, and I think he will. I hope we get him on the show or someone gets him there because that's not him. When you're in the moment, you know, I've I've been to a lot of ringside heavyweight fights and. You know, I've seen it all. I've seen guys before fights, you know, almost having to get broken up after fights, trainers fighting each other. In the heat of the moment when you're a professional athlete, adrenaline gets going. But the fact that, you know, Derek Carr, I mean, Derek Carr supported morning his teammates, but Derek Carr would have never done that. And for Derek to get lumped into that, that's just another blow to Derek Carr that he's got to deal with this week in preparation for Cleveland. Yeah, and I know we had very limited guys to hear from after the game, but K.J. Wright said the same thing. He's like, was I in favor of it much? No, but, hey, we're a team. It was a yeah. – we just had to go out there, a spur-of-the-moment thing, and 
go and support our teammates. And you saw Yannick, he was the one that mm -hmm. was calling everybody over. You saw Trayvon Mullen super motivated for it. Max Crosby going immediately. And everybody else kind of looked just like walking over, not wanting to do it but it's like hey it's what we're doing so let's go ahead i'm completely against it but it happened and now take that as a learning experience and do your talking not pre-game not during the week during those 60 minutes of action on the field harry ruiz joins us the latino voice of the raiders what a magical great job he does so you know we're going to take some calls with you and we're going to talk about a few things while we have you once a week on monday but i got to get a moment from you on cleveland coming up they're basically the same team as I said when you walked in, Cleveland played like their lives were on the line, and both teams had the same record coming into the game. So the Raiders and Cleveland were both at a spot where they're in the exact same position, you know, record-wise. And the only way Cleveland's going to the playoffs or the Raiders is the seventh wild card, right? And Cleveland played like they wanted the seventh wild card. The Chargers are playing like they want to win the division. Kansas City's playing like they want to win the Super Bowl. And the Raiders now should be forced forced to understand how the other organizations and teams are playing right now in the AFC and the passion they're putting in is their records are not Kansas City and the Chargers, but the rest of this bunch is playing a little bit more focused and desperate than the Las Vegas Raiders. And you know what, JT? They got to play for the team. They got to play for the shield. But at the same time, they got to play for themselves. Remember in the preseason how a lot of people were saying, it's like, hey, why, why are they all signing all these one-year contracts? Mm -hmm. They're playing not only for their future with this team, they're playing for their future with other teams. They're playing for their future with contracts that are... Yeah getting paid better than what they are right now. So I want to see that hunger. And I've not see it, seen it from the Raiders against, well, the only game that we've seen it since the bye week was that Dallas game. But since then, we've seen very limited passion on the field from these Raiders, and they need to change that ASAP. And I hope that we get to see that on practice when they go back out there in Henderson. Harry Ruiz is our guest. What's interesting is you meant the Dallas game. I could go back to the Pittsburgh game, the Baltimore game, the Eagles game, there's been a lot of moments this year. Not, not a lot. There's been a, there's been several moments this year where the Raiders played at a very high level with a lot of emotion and were playing and executing. Same offensive line. So for everybody who tells me this offensive line's trash, it's one of the worst in football. It's pretty much the offensive line that played against Pittsburgh and won in Dallas and played pretty well in Dallas. So it's not like they got a whole bunch of practice squad players that just came in and got hammered by Kansas City. This team has got a couple of highlights and moments to look back on as they prep for Cleveland. I just I think a lot of people think it's too late. Yeah, and I think when it, the only moment during the season that we saw a practice squad on that offensive line was a Luminor, that Miami mm -hmm. game that he yeah. came up. And then after the Chargers game, he was gone. It's his birthday. Congratulations. But we haven't seen him done do anything since then. And this offensive line, we saw progress from them. We, we saw did. them we get better, but they've taken a step back these last couple of games and cars on his feet trying to just get the ball out of it. That's why I remember last week we were talking nine passes behind the line of scrimmage. This week, 12 passes behind the line of scrimmage. And it just seems like it's part of the game plan, even though... Greg Olson says it's not. It just seems like it's the where Carr is his go-to right now. Look, with Derek, it's so difficult to analyze. We had Rich Gannon on last week to talk about it, and we mentioned it on the Silver and Black Show. No team, in Rich Gannon's voice, no team is more equipped because of the Gruden playbook and how elaborate it was to go up-tempo and to go off-script because he is excellent at the line of scrimmage. Well, throw that out. 
because we have not seen that for a while. Derek doesn't seem to have any intention of staying in the pocket anymore. He's done. He's not going to. I'm not saying he's going to fight to try to get open in the pocket and step up and to maybe get outside a pass rush, but he's not going to sprint right and keep the play alive, keep the play alive, and then, boom, take off for 10 yards or throw it deep. This is just one second, two seconds. If there's nothing there, ball's coming out sideline to sideline. We've seen that. This is now more than a trend. It's a reality. Exactly. You don't see a one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and let's extend this. We saw it from Mahomes plenty of times yesterday on third downs where you were, like, seeing him run, and you know, okay, he's going to stop right there in the line of scrimmage and throw the ball, and bam, he keeps running, gets the first down, goes down. Or that big play to Tyreek Hill on third Mm. down where Abram slammed him, but... It was a 30-yard pass, got them the enemy territory. They were able to do those kinds of plays. and But the thing with them is it was every once in a while. It wasn't a thing that we saw consistently during the game where Mahomes was just playing for his life. Harry Ruiz, before we take a couple of phone calls, how did the fans, you really interact well with the fans. The typical fan right now is spinning, spinning out of control, and they have the right to do that. I would never, ever, ever tell a fan how to, how to emotionally deal with a Raider game or a loss. That's up to each every, every individual fan. But my issue becomes a really big issue, is that the fans now can't pile on. I mean, they can, they can be really frustrated and angry and upset, but by piling on this hard, they're not as far off as a Denver fan or Kansas City that's enjoying piling on. I mean, it takes a certain type of fan to crush the team for the next five weeks like they're a Kansas City or Denver fan. Are you noticing that? It's, it's a hard line for a Raider fan to show raw emotion and be this pissed off, but also remain a Raider fan and want the team to win every game. Absolutely, and I understand their frustration. It's been two decades since the team was up there where we want them to see them, but at the same time, it, what, what's it going to do when you tweet at a player, when you send all those terrible messages? I've seen people tagging family members of the players. I'm like, there's no need to do that. That takes you to the lowest of lows. I understand your frustration. And look, I'm okay with them tweeting at you and at me. We're doing this on the radio. This is how we live. Go for it. We'll respond and we'll talk to you. Don't go low. Don't go after. I mean, you want to talk frustrations at the players? Don't tag them. Yeah. Let your no, fellow man. fans talk with each other. There's and a no, line. There's exactly. a line. There's, There's a line to being a fan. Going after families. Come on, man. Jeff in Denver. Thanks for waiting. You're up next with Harry Ruiz. What's happening? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I'm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys talk about Denver and Kansas City. I'm a Raider season ticket holder who lives in Denver, and I flew to the Kansas City game. How about that? So dedication. Oh my God! Oh, you know it. I'm like everybody. I'm like everybody else who's been calling. And yes, it's frustrating and. You know, to live here, when we flew out Saturday morning, there was like 30 or 40 people wearing black and silver, and they're chanting Raiders on the plane, and you're looking as me and my wife. I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe. And I, JT, you said it before. When I booked the trip, I thought it was going to be a close game, and you never know. And um, the last couple of weeks, I wasn't sure, but you feel the energy. You kind of get into the stadium. Mm-hmm. I was embarrassed for the fans, man. There was 15 yeah. or 20,000 people. And, um, you know, we don't need to rehash the, the field goal when you're down five touchdowns and the pressure and the play calling mm-hmm. and what it would possibly take to get Mariota in a game because if you're down five touchdowns, and, and that's not going to happen. But, man, just to see all those fans looking at each other, you know, the Chiefs were laughing at our players. Their fans were laughing at us, and we had 
nothing. I mean, we were outplayed, we were outcoached, and it, it was and ugly. To say we we were outclassed, and you know yeah. what? When we when we give it our all, I think I'm like everybody else, and it's like win or lose, man. You just play, you know, play for the fans, play for yourself, play as hard as you can. I can take it. What I saw yesterday, like everybody else, it's been a long time since I've seen that. And when I was in Vegas for the Washington game, I just couldn't believe what I what I saw there. And I I'm flying back in two weeks for the Denver game, and I'm trying to figure out. Yes, we can win against Cleveland, mm-hmm. but man, we can also lose. And nothing in this team shows me there's any consistency to win three or four games in a row. I mean, the Washington, the Chicago, the Giants, the Bengals. You're right. We win those like we should have. We're in a much different conversation. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Let me jump in. I've got to Please. get everybody in here. There's, there's not a lot of encouragement thinking that they're going to win any game. But you've got to think that if they have a great week and they match up well and they put together a good game plan, they have a chance. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, I don't do no chance radio. You know me a long time. Absolutely. I'm not going to sit here and say they don't have a chance to win a game the rest of the year. I believe, I'm not being fake, I believe they can win games down the stretch. The Cleveland game, which we're going to get into later on in the week, is we're, well, we're way past must win. But this is a really good test at this time because they got hammered by Kansas City, and they're nowhere near as, as talented as Kansas City. And like, and like I said, show me you want to stay here. Show yeah. me you want to keep playing in the league. Show me you want to continue in the NFL. That's what we want to see. And, of course, with that, if you show me we have a chance at winning and we have a chance at still staying alive. I'm not saying that we're making the playoffs. I'm just saying with the win, you still have a, sh- a chance. Five teams with the same record, seven and six. Two of them have those two, those six and seven spots. Yeah, and if the Raiders win, they go ahead of Cleveland. And I think there's going to be some losses that should be favorable to the Raiders, but it doesn't matter if they don't beat Cleveland. And if they don't show up against Cleveland, then it's a completely different radio show next Monday. This this loss, to me, it's very easy to see this team losing at Kansas City, not by the score and not by the performance. They didn't show up. I didn't expect to be talking about that on Monday. I think we all chalked it up as an L before the year. But at the end of the day, we were like, hey, last year, the Raiders got that dub, and nobody thought they were going to get it at Arrowhead. So hopefully this year, they show us wrong again, and they... Boy, they showed us wrong, but in the wrong way. We never thought of stomping no. like that since 2014. That 52 to nothing loss in St. Louis. Yeah, this that is the Raiders this is, didn't look that look that bad. Yeah, this is worse to me because it's Kansas City, it's division, oh, yeah. and it's the rivalry. Row in Connecticut. Thanks for waiting. You're up next. What's happening? What's up, JT? What's happening? Hey, this is John from Connecticut. Hey, John. Um, what's happening? I, I agree with you. Everybody needs to put away their crystal balls and stop predicting the future. Okay, we're in the now. Now, we got to deal with the reality. And the reality is we have no interior offensive line. We're not going to be able to run the ball. Mm-hmm. The opening call against this game, in this game, was horrible. Just got to go play action and throw it. We got to be aggressive. Get rid of it. Quick passes over the middle. Like uh, Plunk has said, vertical, not horizontal. So I'm going to keep it short. Mm-hmm. And you're right. 7 to 7 to 500. Looking at the compilation of obstacles this team, this organization has gone through. What, the question is, what do we expect now? This is what I'm saying. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Let me sit up here in Connecticut. Shields up. Take Thank care, you. Take Appreciate you. your call. Appreciate that. that. means a lot to us. Harry Ruiz joins me in studio every Monday. I think what you can expect is a really basic and important question. What to expect next, I don't know. Because I'm so disappointed how they didn't show up and didn't play with any pride and poise and didn't have that commitment to really play for each other and the coaches. The the, that, the arm tackling in the second half was awful. Uh, after after Carr, he got hit and the ball came out, 
and they took it home, and then they said the ball was down. You couldn't advance it. So the next play, they hand it up up the middle, and no one goes after the ball, and they run for a touchdown. I mean, that was embarrassing. When does that happen? That wasn't happening to a Gus Bradley defense this year. Oh, absolutely not. Chad Henney, he had that snap, and it's like, really? That's going to be it? He doesn't even have to throw the ball, and they get 51 yards in one play? Uh, That that was the heart that was missing in this match. And uh, absolutely, JT, I mean, these Raiders... They they've been a high highs and a low lows team. It's yeah, either good been way to describe it. Yeah, right. so it's like we either see the best version of the Raiders or we see the worst version of the Raiders. And the thing is, we don't know which one is showing up. And I hope the guys shut us up on sa- on Saturday and go and show the world we still have a chance because everybody on the radio when I'm saying. There's still an opportunity because I look and we're only one game away from the last playoff spot. They're like, you're crazy. I know. You're crazy. Welcome they're they're to my done. World. And Welcome I'm like, to my world. no, they still have JT last year. Remember in Denver, we were like, all right, we need like seven different scores and a Raider win and they might make it. And we only got like five of those seven. And it was like, well, it was close. At least we had a shot. This team was better than the team last year. Oh, that's way the problem. Better. This is teams more expensive. Better, more players were brought in. Draft picks are in make or break years. They got to get rolling here. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media and your show. At Harry Ruiz, H-A-R-R-Y-R-U-I-Z on Twitter. At Harry underscore Ruiz on Instagram. I post some of the calls that I do during the games on there. So hopefully you guys like it. A lot of people have been enjoying them this year. So Love your work, man. Appreciate thanks, it, JT. Thanks it's for a, bailing me out on a Monday. It's an honor, man. It, hey, I mean, it's my honor. I, I've always been a huge fan from your days in the base. So now being able to hang out with you, it's an honor, man. Great to have you in here. When we come back, we'll talk to Mark Anderson, one of the great journalists here in town. And we'll talk more and more about what happened the aftermath Against Kansas City, get you ready later on in the week for Cleveland. Busy uh, week in front of us. A couple of Raider legends scheduled to join us, our insiders. Tomorrow, Paul Gutierrez and Tom Flores. Brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit of the Raider Nation. And Modelo, going to have a few Modellos on Friday and Saturday. Chiefs challenge and get the ball as a handoff down to Gore. He's open 35, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Kansas City. Was that Derek Gore or Marcus Allen? He runs for 51 yards and a touchdown. It looked like Priest Holmes back in the day. Well, that's uh, Marcus Allen thrown in on the Chiefs side. JT back with you. Mark Anderson here in a moment. I will tell you. I grew up in New York, so I'm used to the New York Post and the Daily News, as Billy Joel would say, in a New York state of mind. So I grew up reading the front page and the back page of the papers. And when the sports teams were struggling, the sports teams would be on the front and the back page. I got the Las Vegas Review-Journal today on the cover of the end with a question mark. Raiders season all but over after embarrassing loss. And I open it up, and I'm opening up the paper here. And what it says is... This is Vinny Bonsignor. Raiders go from bad to worse in crossing loss. Ed Graney, effort or lack of shows up. It's time to blow things up. Another Ed Graney, Renfro's big day lost in the nightmare. Uh, so th- these are some of the titles we're seeing in the local newspaper. Mark Anderson's been one of the most respected journalists in this town for a long time. Mark, how did you see that yesterday? I thought the Raiders didn't show up. 
and the letdown was massive, and a lot of fans are really struggling. And how'd you see the game? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue otherwise. And and Derek Carr kind of wanted to go there yesterday after the game, where he he indicated that not not all his teammates were on board. Um, and then he kind of brought it back a little bit because I think he wants to be careful about not losing the entire locker room. But it, I think he, you know, I got the takeaway from him that he's concerned that a lot of guys aren't uh, fully invested right now. And, you know, if you look at all that they've gone through this season, uh, but, you know, it's unimaginable. But you, you never, you never would have predicted what they would have gone through before the season. And, and, you know, it just made some guys just kind of made reached a breaking point and, uh, and you're seeing the you're seeing a team that's just it's just not the same team we saw a couple months ago. Mark Anderson joins us. Mark, why is it so hard to believe for most people that a team can't play their ass off to get to seven and seven with a whole bunch of teams that are one game over five hundred in the playoff race? I could see if the Raiders were four or five wins and out of this thing. And I'm not saying they're gonna make a playoff run, but how why why how could it be so difficult for the perception to be that it's going to take a lot to rally the players to get back to 500 and be a game out of the playoffs if they win the game with teams coming back to Vegas. Yeah, and you know, the, there's no great AFC team this season. You know, in the the playoffs. I mean, the Steelers, who look nothing like a playoff team, are in the race. It's like you know, there's there's you have an extra playoff spot. You have all these teams that that in most years would you would not consider playoff teams, and so. All it takes is to win a couple games, and suddenly you're right there. And so, you know, you, you know, maybe they'll pull it off. Maybe, maybe they'll they'll get it together this week and go win at Cleveland, and and they'll kind of put life back in, in them. But we thought the same. What after Dallas, right? So, so who knows? The NFL is very much a week to week league, and you know, and you know what's what is conventional wisdom one weekend is a hold up the next. So, you know, right now it looks like. It looks like they're kind of a lot of the players are maybe given up, but maybe a week from now we have a whole different take on it. Yeah, Mark Anderson's our guest from the Las Vegas Review Journal. You know, Mark, another big important thing you've been covering sports for a long time, which I'm dealing with today, is there's a bunch left in the season. There's a month left in the season, and people are checking out. You know, as a journalist, you got to cover the games one game at a time. And talk about how you've done that over your career with UNLV and other sporting events here in town where fans are saying there's no hope, but you got to go with your credential and cover all these games and uh, find the storyline to give to the fans as you go from week to week when a season's almost almost over. Yeah, it's challenging, JT, and you're right. I've been through it many times covering UNLV football. I, I can't tell you how many seasons one month in I knew that you know, they, had, they were done, basically, you know. Uh, and the fan and the fans knew they were done, and so you so you're right. You still have to cover the team, and so it, you know and you can't write every day that the season's done. I mean, you just can't do that because you know no one you know you 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 need to write it you know here and there, but you can't make it a daily thing. So you do you have to look for for different types of storylines, maybe more big picture stories, maybe great you know individual features. And, you know, and, and then, you know, in seasons often play out a little bit different than you expect. You can get, you know, I've, I've seen teams, I've seen UNLV teams, you know, show some promise in the final month. And, you, you know, you start writing, what does that mean for the following season? So, uh, you know, so you, you, it's it's not easy. I mean, the Raiders aren't quite, you know, I've seen that Quinn's covered plenty of two, two and ten UNLV teams. The Raiders mm-hmm. aren't that. Um, so, but, you know, it's, 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 it's not, it's not easy. And, and, uh, but I think now, if I was on the beat now, 
I, as far as the Raiders go, I, I make a lot of my focus in the future. Um, you know, obviously you can't ignore the, you know, the, the Browns and, and all that, but I would, I would make a lot of my, the focus of my coverage. Like, you know, who are the potential coaches out there? Um, mm-hmm. You know, do, do you make a move at GM? You know, what, you know, I, cause I think that's what a lot of fans want to read. Wrapping up with Mark Anderson, you know, Mark, it's interesting this year. If you have to tell the story of the season, is it more about the Gruden emails and the rugs tragedy or is it more about football and what's playing in the injuries and what's happening on the field and play calling and the offensive line? Is it more X's and O's or the backstory on those two mega stories? I think they kind of go hand in hand, but I, I think I think when you look back on this season, I think Henry Ruggs and John Gruden are going to be what everyone remembers, and and those and that was the clear turning point. Uh, you know, the Raiders were playing really well up to, and that was back to back too. It wasn't like one happened one month and one happened a couple months later. It was back to back, and so I think uh, you know I. I don't. I don't think that it's any coincidence. The Raiders haven't been the same since then because they're human beings. You know. You know the the lot of lot of the players were close to John Gruden. A lot mm-hmm. of players close to Henry Ruggs, and they know life was lost. And you have that. Um, so it's just you know everyone's everyone's is affected. Personal yeah. life affects them, and and it's no, no different for players. Thank you, Mark. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Always appreciate your insight. Thank you, JT. Appreciate having me on. You got it. Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, a voice of reason and calm. That's why he's pegged into the show every Monday. Tomorrow, Tom Flores, Paul Gutierrez, Hacksaw coming up on Wednesday, Vic Taper on Thursday or Friday, Jeff Sherman uh, from the Westgate on the lines and how to bet these games coming up. We're going to take Rich Passaccia's press conference that just ended coming up on the other side. So if you didn't catch it, on Raiders social media, we'll have that on the flagship coming up next. Uh, Derek in New Jersey, you're up next. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Uh, JT, thanks for taking the call. Um, I'm a longtime Raiders fan from the East Coast. I pay for DirecTV. Um, and I'm sorry that I'm a glass-half-empty kind mm-hmm. of guy. No problem. I've been, I've been through this mess, uh, you know, since Gannon left the team. The, the team has been really in a spiral. We had the one good year with Carr. But since Gannon in that era mm-hmm. left... This team has been wandering through the desert, um, and it doesn't seem like they have a way to win these games. When they, when they were six and three, mm-hmm. and we've been down this road before in previous years, but everyone was they were on you know Sports Center. But I'm like, slow your roll. We've seen this movie before. We saw the movie last year, and the famous quote is. The definition of insanity, man. You keep doing the same. Yeah, but they don't. They don't walk into the locker room and take a drink of Gatorade at six and three and say we're going to crash and burn. They're all if they're healthy, if they're healthy, if they're capable of playing, and they're in these games, and they should be in this game. Take out Kansas City this last game. It's not. You're not supposed to predict that the Raiders are going to go in the tank the second half of the year because the coaches fail the team or the players fail the team. They're, they're, they're competing in these games. They're just losing them. There's not a formula on why they lose it or they'd be doing it better. They'd be doing it opposite. The coaches and the offensive coordinators are not saying, hey, we're 6-3. and three. Now let's play our worst football. Their practicing is good. They're putting in the game plan, and they're losing games. But you can't Maybe predict it. Yeah, okay, that, that's a, no, that that's a very good point. But you can't sit there and say next year or the year after, if there's a new quarterback or Derek signed to an extension, that they're 6-3 and, and go, hey, JT the Brick Show, 
Whenever time I'm on, they're going to tank now. It's the second half of the year. Things happen differently year after year. It's just you're right. This is now fact, not fiction. They're tanking the second half of these seasons here, not on purpose, not because they're not doing something, not because they're changing the practice schedule. It's happening. It's really tough to describe, but they're not doing it on purpose. As Parcell said, you are what your record yeah. is, and this, and this is what they've done two years in a row. You're right. It's the player. It's the players and the coaches. Now yeah. we don't know. We don't know what the, the Gruden effect is. We understand that, and the Ruggs effect. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But man, it's it's you change that, but the players are the same. Yes, they add some new players. I get that. But man, the bulk of these players are the same. And yeah, and they'll that, be they'll be removed. They'll be removed, and they'll bring in new players. But they got to keep the cornerstone players. You can't have a football team getting 53 new players, everybody. There are going to be players that are going to remain. There are going to be coaches that remain. Eric and I talked about Gus Bradley. He just hired Gus Bradley, and he brought a bunch of good coaches in. They're good coaches. You want to change those coaches just to change them and yet pay those contracts out? Most likely not. With all this happening, I agree with you. It's very difficult to figure out why they're doing this. It's not conditioning. It's not the strength coach. It's not the team doctor, the trainer, that they get to this point of the year, it's you tip your cap to the opponents who are beating them, and you find out why they're getting out-schemed, and then you make changes at the end of the year. You're right. It's very unfortunate this is happening, and it's hard to figure out. It's hard to figure out how this is happening. Charles in Kentucky. Thanks for calling, Charles. And I know a lot of people in your area have been affected by the tornadoes. I hope your family's safe. I'm hoping you're okay. Yeah, we were lucky enough to be safe. Yeah, everything, uh, everything's okay with us. Many other people, people are suffering around here. But yeah, definitely, uh, definitely been a rough one here. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, my thing, JT, was uh, I, I wish Mark would would have have removed Basachi from the head coach. I, I just think that would give us, you know, as a Raider fan, it would give us a little bit of hope because I, he just he just looks like he's over my, over his head to me, and that that may be some of the reason the players are quitting. I, I don't know. I'm not there. I have and no that idea. wasn't the case when he was 2-0. and He was 2-0 and out of the gate, and he is a guy who is, I'll just tell you because I'm with him every week, he's delegating the offense to Olsen, and he's delegating the defense to Gus Bradley. He's overseeing special teams with his assistant, and he's running day-to-day operations on the football side. He's not... He's not a deer in the headlights on game day, not knowing what down and distance it is and how much time's left in the quarter and blowing timeouts. He's delegating. He's not loud. He's not a screamer. But it's unfortunate because he got off to a good start. He won his first two games. People were really optimistic. But but this team might need a screamer right now. Maybe I mean, they do. Put, yeah, maybe, I mean, you put Bradley in there, maybe it changes things up. Maybe the players take notice. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not the guy that says we're going to take. Yeah, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen, and I understand why right. you think it's an issue. I get it, and there's, I'm just trying to dip the show in reality. It's not going to happen. Rich Pasacci right. is the interim head coach. If they're going to make a coaching change, they're going to have to go big, and they're going to go big, or they're going to get someone that they really think could stabilize this thing quickly because they have so much at stake in Vegas, and they have a lot of players that want to win and want to stay okay. here and win and don't want to bail on the city. And we are beat up. I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses. How is it the Chiefs never get any of their good players injured? It's amazing to me. We've got everybody injured. And I'm not making an excuse. I'm a Raider fan to the end. And, you know, I hope we beat Cleveland. We might. You never know. Teams wake up. But they just, seeing them not tackle, seeing them not try, you know, it it doesn't give you a lot of hope. It doesn't. It really doesn't. You make a good point. If you watch Kansas City, which you did, it doesn't give you a lot of hope that they're going to play and show up in Cleveland, does it? 
And the point I've been trying to make here all day, the point I've been trying to make here the entire day is that the Raiders have to show up in Cleveland. And let me make this point again. They have to show up in Cleveland because they can get to 7-7 seven and seven and be a game out of the playoffs. Now, I don't think many people think they're going to the playoffs. And I didn't think they were preseason. I didn't have them in the you know, I had them on. I had them 9-8. and eight. But the issue becomes the Cleveland game gets them to 7-7 seven and seven if they show up. If they show up, then the game plays out. We talk about them pre- and post-game. And then we have a week of radio ne- next week. If they get boat raced in Cleveland, then the train will start on what happens next. But this is a game to get to 7-7 seven and seven after a horrific loss that was terrible. And they must show up in Cleveland or real jobs are on the line if they're not on the line already. A four-year-old can figure this out. But I got to talk about it today, the aftermath on Raider Nation Radio. There's a lot of things I'm thinking, but I try my best to you know, stay positive. You know, it sucks, but that's <laughs> what, what other choice do I have? You know, go in the hole and be depressed with everybody, you know, everybody. You know, I still got a job to do. Derek does have a job to do. The only chance this team has of winning a game the rest of the way is if Derek Carr plays at the level he played the first quarter of the season, period. We all know that. And if Derek can't do it because the offensive line can't do it, then Derek's got cover. Derek's got cover, and you can say, hey, it's not Derek's fault. He didn't have a good offensive line. The team's not playing well. It's not Derek's fault. Or Derek could put the team on his back and do more than expected, more than expected, which I've always believed he can do, and it's not happening now, and hopefully there's a great week of preparation. And fortunately, one, one thing before we play the Rich Basaccia interview, because I haven't heard it, obviously, here. We're going to play it right now. His uh, press conference is, Mariota didn't get in the game. And the thing that baffled me about that, and here's what here's the most accurate analysis you'll hear on that that's the simplest. Derek shouldn't have been playing from the beginning, halfway through the third quarter, to save him for Cleveland. Does that make sense to anybody other than me? Totally, right, Bobby? So you get him out of the game, not because he's playing poorly. You get him out of the game to protect him for Cleveland. Unless you're going to bench him and start Mariota in Cleveland. And you could do that. There's a ch- Listen, there's a chance you can do that. You want to win the Cleveland game, technically? I don't believe you do it with Mariota. I think you do it with Carr. But if you really wanted to flip the switch and do something wild, you start Mariota in that game in Cleveland, and they don't see it coming, and Mariota plays the entire game and maybe gets you a win, and then you put Derek back in and do whatever you want. But the fact that Derek Carr was in that game in the fourth quarter I am shocked by that because the game was over. You needed to protect him physically so you had a chance to go 7-7 seven and seven in Cleveland. You aren't going to do anything other than 6-7 and seven in Kansas City. Get him out of the game. Get him out of the game. There's no need for him to get injured with that offensive line and then save him for Cleveland, and maybe you get to 7-7. Seven and seven. Here's the head coach, Rich Basaccia. I'll run down the injury report here and then take some of your questions. As of right now, we should get... Jalen Richard back, uh, hopefully off of COVID tomorrow. Um, Foster Moreau right now is uh, going to be day-to-day. Um, has a little bit of a, a muscle strain. Um, Darren Waller is still questionable. Um, 
Patrick, uh, we should get him back a little bit. He'll be a little bit limited this week as we get started tomorrow, but hopefully we get him back. Denzel Perryman is still questionable with the ankle. Uh, Max Crosby right now is limited with a calf. Uh, Carl Nassip is uh, still a little bit day-to-day -day limited um, with his knee. And then um, we hope to get Bowers back. We'll know a little bit more this afternoon and tomorrow morning with him. He's getting a lot of his strength back. Hopefully we can get him back for this particular game. And uh, Trayvon Mullen right now is questionable with a toe. Uh, that's where we're at at this particular point injury-wise, and I'll take any questions you may have. You, you mentioned Waller as being questionable. I mean, is there a progress from last week? Is he, you know, I don't know he went from week to week to day to day. Yeah, he's progressed from the pool onto the uh, standing treadmill now in our uh, facility. So, again, it just hasn't been able to be outside and run yet or cut or do things of that nature. So we're hoping to get more progression from him, but as of right now, it's just he's in a questionable state. I know you guys uh, have a lot of confidence in Foster, uh, but has, have you noticed a difference in, in how teams kind of defend you, attack you, with him with him not being there? Yeah, I mean they're certainly they're different players, um, so it's it's a it's a different set of confidence. We have a lot of confidence in Foster doing the roles and the things we'd like him to do, and, and he's made plays for for us and been productive. But you know certainly while it gives us another element, he's a guy that can line up outside. Um, he has both receiver skills and he has tight end skills with his body type, so um, he's been missed. Did you see the, I guess, the response that you wanted from your team after what happened on the field yesterday? Do you want them to be angry, frustrated? Like, how do you want them to kind of respond to that? Yeah, I want them to feel how they feel. You know, I'm not, I'm not in charge of someone else's feelings. I think we're all angry. We're all disappointed. I'm, I'm not big on frustration. I think it's a wasted emotion. And um, I'm just trying to look at, from my perspective as coaches, what we can do better how we can help them put them in better situations or better positions uh, to help them play a little bit better. I'm sure they're looking at it the exact same way. So, yeah, I think all the emotions are just um, feelings that we have of, of uh, what we didn't do very well and, and how we'd like to fix them. So I, I can't tell somebody how to act or how to feel. Uh, I don't feel really good about it either. You mentioned following the game yesterday that, you know, you're going to look at the coaches and the players and possibly make some changes. Do you anticipate any changes before Saturday? Well, I, I anticipate playing with a different team every week. That's kind of what happens. So I don't, I don't think that will change this week. We'll see how the injury report files out, and we're always going to try to put players in competitive situations. All of a sudden we have Malcolm Koontz playing. All of a sudden we have Divine Diablo playing. All of a sudden we've dressed some different guys offensive line-wise, and they've gotten some different snaps. And So we'll see how that shakes out. But I, I always think there's changes from week to week in our league. Rich, I am not going to, nor would I ask you to call players out from there specifically by name, but what were your thoughts on the guys gathering at midfield and all of that? Yeah, I'm, you know, I didn't know about it um, in the beginning, and when I left the field, everyone was, was in the end zone, and uh, it's certainly something I've discussed with some of the players, and we'll talk about it in our team meeting tomorrow. Um, I can understand, you know, the other team having a point of view about it, and... and um, so, I, again, I, I didn't really think it was uh, – now that I found out about it, I would rather it not happen. I'd rather not walk from one end of the field to the other uh, to make some sort of point. We punted in. thought we should have huddled there like normal and, and come off the field. But um, I'll do a little bit better job of staying out there a little bit longer and making sure we do what we're supposed to do at the end and leave the field. I think one thing you can say about the team, even despite the struggles, you've seen a consistent level of effort for the most part. Throughout the year, I, was that the case yesterday throughout the whole game? I know there was the long run uh, touchdown that Kansas City gave up. I know there was some perspective that maybe that wasn't the 
the, the greatest effort the defense Yeah, I think perception and reality, right, can be two different things, or they can be the same. I certainly um, don't think any of us were excited about the long run that we gave up towards the end of the game. I, I didn't think giving up the run before the end of the half with the missed tackles was good as well. And then I think anytime you go into a game and you turn the ball over five times and you fumble the ball like that by our good players, it's very uncharacteristic of Hunter to put the ball on the ground and Foster to put the ball on the ground and, and uh, certainly Josh as well. So I think when you do that, you, you, you kind of dull your senses a little bit as to what's going on. And, and um, so I, I don't really think we played with the same effort we've played with to the bitter end, which I've, I've said before, and, and that'll certainly be addressed. It was addressed with them. And, and uh, you know, we, we played a good team as well. I think they're well coached and a little credit goes to them, but um, we're going to do the best we can to get ourselves ready to go to play Cleveland on a short week. Rich, down 35 nothing, and Kansas City's going to get the ball. Can you talk about that decision to kick a field goal there? What what you're thinking at that moment? Yeah, I thought at halftime, again, we, you know, we, we, we used a fake punt to get ourselves back in position to, to get the ball again, and, and uh, I really wanted to come out of the half with some points and some hope that we can come back at second half and stop them and get the ball back and get a drive and go down and score. So that was the thinking. I didn't, I didn't want to come out of there with zero. We took a couple shots at the end zone because time allowed. Um, and then we got ourselves in position where I either take one more shot at the end zone or get some points. Uh, I wanted to get some points going in at the half. Rich, from your, from your vantage point, what has happened with the offensive line this year? It seems there's games where they're blowing out holes for the running backs and they're protecting Derek, and there's other games where Derek doesn't even have time to run for his life. Yeah, I, you know, you kind of answered your own question to some degree. And, and um, you know, I just think those particular games that we've played well, we've played well up front and we've run the ball well and had some pl big plays and play action. And some of the games when we haven't, we haven't played well up front and we've given up some um, protection loopholes and given up sacks like in the game the other day. And also we're, we're playing from behind in that game. So it gives their defense a chance to, to line up and tee off um, a little bit as well. So... Um, you know, we, we've had some adjustments and some positional changes up front as we've gone through the season. And, uh, you know, we've lost some guards at this particular point as we've gone through the season. So we're looking at that as well. And, and um, I think we like to anticipate hopefully we can sew that up a little bit and play a little bit better. All right, so that's some of Rich Basaccia. You'll hear more. Q was there answer, asking questions. Vinny Bonsignor. And they're on the lineup the rest of the way. Q coming up next. Vinny after that. And they were in the middle of that press conference. Please Ask them what they thought uh, thought of this, and they have great information for you coming up. I like Malcolm Kuntz. I like him a lot. I love where he's at now. We talked about him on the postgame show yesterday. Divine Diablo and Malcolm Kuntz. If Max Crosby's here, which he should be long-term, along with Yannick Ngakwe, and you can find a way to get Kuntz out on the field, I'd rather see him on the field anywhere than Littleton. I would. I just think he plays with a much more intense motor and more passion. And maybe you develop him to a player that can stay on the field in a rotation basis. I like that. Diablo obviously plays special teams, and Kuntz is more of that edge rusher, but he's playing well. And that's something to build on because you're going to need three or four edge rushers, edge rushers in Cleveland to get there because they got the best one in football in Miles Garrett. So that was the aftermath. And it was about as tough as tough could be for Raider fans today. And it will remain that way. Tomorrow, we'll continue to talk. I didn't play one soundbite of the game, really, other than the Josh Jacobs fumble. There's a couple other things I want to sign off on. we got a couple of guests lined up. And then we'll get you ready for Cleveland this week. Saturday, we have a game, which will be goal. We'll have our Saturday night and all day Sunday. And hopefully the Raiders can really have a great week 
and save what is a chance to be relevant down the stretch with the win in Cleveland. And that's what we're hoping for. We thank all our partners and everybody. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Have a great day, everyone.